Happy January and welcome to Pressing On. This is a podcast where we will be looking into truths for guys as we live on this journey of life. It's January of 2022 and at least in Cleveland, we've gotten some serious snow in these last couple weeks. I'm your host, Scott Lessing, prison campus pastor at Grace Church in Middleburg Heights and Olmstead Falls and now Grafton, where we have these three locations in Northeast Ohio. And our most recent is our prison campus in Grafton at the Lorraine Correctional Institute, Lorsai. Pressing On is a podcast for guys who wanna go deeper as we seek God all the while finding practical insight to live differently. We will look into real life and talk through how we can actually grow while becoming a better version of ourselves as we press on. Jordy, tell us about our friends who believe in what we do and want to encourage our listeners with some great free coffee. Yeah, Blackburnian Coffee is a micro-batch roasting company based in Cleveland, Ohio. They use high-quality fair-trade beans from farms and importers to treat their workers with respect. We also know the owner and roaster of this great company, Sarah Stumbo. And we did have a giveaway last month. Our winner was Dale Havel. So congratulations, Dale. Enjoy your coffee. If you'd like to be the next winner of Blackburnian Coffee to win a free bag, simply email us at pressingon at gracecma.org. The first person to do so wins a pound of coffee. Also, you don't have to be a local to win. We will send you coffee. And I don't see any caveat about the lower 48 or Hawaii. So if you want want to run us broke win from the other side of the world right canada anywhere right yeah it doesn't matter you don't have to be part of the united states because we're about the world man yeah if they'll let it cross your border you can have it (laughs) that's right do you want to introduce what our topic is this month Our topic this month is teachability. And so as we begin a new year, we want to talk about being teachable. The phrase we're saying is if you acknowledge your limitations, you can use them as a springboard to grow and develop your character and to find new opportunities. Yeah, and most importantly, by being open to others and accountable to yourself, learning and growing your skills skills and your knowledge, you're really investing in yourselves. That's our whole focus is becoming that better version of yourselves than you are today. Now, this is probably one of the core parts of pressing on, at least I think so. It says in Philippians 3 verses 12 through 14, that not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which for Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, here Paul's talking about attaining glory or perfection, like when we actually get to heaven. And that's not something that we can actually attain here, but we can strive towards that for sure. So Paul's saying that we need to that we have to continue pressing on towards the goal of becoming more and more like Jesus. And in order to do so, we need to remain teachable. That's, as Fred and I spoke through all of this a few times now, preparing for today, that's one of the things that just really struck me is that teachability is really, I think, at the core of what our podcast is all about, becoming that better version, pressing on to become that better version of yourself. To discuss this with us today is our friend, he's a friend of mine and a guy who's poured into me 
but also a lot of men throughout Northeast Ohio. We're talk, we'll talk about that more late in, in a little bit, but also throughout the country. Fred, you've impacted a lot of people. Fred Corey is our guest today. Fred, thank you for joining us on Pressing On. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you having me here. It is awesome to have you here. Well, give us just a little bit of background about yourself and where you currently are located, what your business is, and what you guys do. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about some of the things you do in your free time that are where, where you're really investing in people. But a little bit about yourself and your family and your business. Thank you, Scott. I, I grew up in Lorain, Ohio, uh, blue town, uh, blue collar town, about 30 minutes from here. And my father was an attorney. My mom was stayed at home with us. There was four kids. And went to church on a regular basis, didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord. Went to high school, uh, went, ended up going to Bowling Green, majored in finance. After that, I went to Ohio State for about a year. I was going to be a lawyer. I took some continuing education classes. I started selling part-time while I was in school for my brother-in-law in the seafood business. And landed a big account, and he flew in and offered me a full-time job. So I quit school, decided not to become a lawyer, and go work with him out of Boston. Did that That's for, a great place to go. I knew that you were going to say that. <laughs> Home of Tom Brady. So I spent about three and a half years working with him, and I traveled the country and did that for a while. Then I ended up moving back to Cleveland here and started my own business 32 years ago called Smart Business. We're a media and events business today. I've been doing that since. I've been married for 15 years. And I have two boys, one 12 and one 14, Michael and Joey. And the last thing I'd like to say is in 1994, when I was five years into my business, I guess I was 30 years old at that time, I went to the Billy Graham crusade. Uh, he, he was an evangelist for many of you who know him. Some of you may not know him. He came to Cleveland. A quarter million people went to go see him where he shared the gospel. And I went forward at that time and committed my life to the Lord at that time. And wow. since then, I've never looked back. I've, I've walked with him ever since. That's incredible. Awesome. So t- tell us a little bit more about smart business, what you guys do, events and and other things. What's your main goal or your main vision for your company? Smart Business Network, we've pivoted the company several times over the last 32 years. We started off as a publishing business. We tell the story about the people, the personality, the person that would build the company. We expanded into 20 cities across the country and all the big cities like Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Dallas. We had magazines in all those cities. And uh, in 2008, when the iPhone came out, we happened to read about this consultant, one of my guys who works with me. Uh, he goes, hey, you should read this article. And I said, let's call him and bring him in here. And we hired him. And he said, hey, Fred, he goes, you're going you're gonna to be out of business next year if you don't pivot your whole company. He goes, everything's gone digital and you're still in print. And I uh, really put the fear of God in us at that time. We did pivot. Sure enough, in 2009, that business started declining in the publishing side. And then we started getting involved with content marketing, uh, web development, search engine optimization. We started growing that part of the business. And over the last 12, 13 years, we went went more digital with our business. We went to more events. And uh, now we've expanded our events uh, across the country in a number of different cities. And our business has just changed dramatically. And I think probably will change another 10 years from now, look much different than it does today. Yeah. That's incredible just hearing like, because it sounds like what you were doing was working at the time. Like the print thing was going well and you actually, the results wise, it sounds like it didn't look as good for a little bit in that transition. Is that true? We were able to transition quickly. So fortunately it didn't affect us. We came across that gentleman who told us what was going to happen in that business and we moved quickly. And so we were able to replace dollars with the new products. Yeah, I I find that super fascinating and tying that into our topic, what does teachability have to do with making it in the world? Like at some point, is it 
don't you just say like, no, I know what I'm doing. It's time for people to learn from me. Or do you always stay teachable in business? I don't know how other people do it, but I've always just tried to stay close to the people that are our customers because they see what's coming first and we have to adapt and adjust to them so we can keep them as customers. And our business has changed a number of different times over the past 30 years. If I don't stay teachable, I'm not going to be in business. Yeah, got it. And has there been any humbling moments along the way? Anytime that you've said like, man, this is, I've got a lot to learn or. I think there's been a few humbling moments. I think one of the most humbling moments was about 12 years ago. We're not in control as much as we think we're in control. Who's keeping my heart beating right now, right? But I remember I was on the golf course and thinking, you know, it's boring, the business, I like something new and exciting. I got back to the office and there was a big envelope on my desk. It was a lawsuit against me. And one of my employees in San Francisco got in an accident, hit a guy on a motorcycle, took his leg off. And she called our office and said she got an accident. She never told us how bad it was. And he went to intensive care. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I found out about it, I just called the hospital against my lawyer's wishes and apologized to him because uh-huh. of what happened to him. But I actually know I was being sued for $10 million. And uh-huh. in California law, the employer is responsible for the employee. And uh, so I was responsible for my employee at that time. And when I went to my insurance company here locally in Cleveland, they forgot to place my policy. So I was completely exposed. They didn't want to take responsibility for it at the time. And so that was very humbling at the time. It's like, okay, you've worked hard to build this business up, and all of a sudden, everything you've built up is at jeopardy. Why would God allow this to happen? So I've had several situations where things have been beyond my control during that time, and God's always delivered. But it's humbling to know that we're really not in control as much as we think we are. Yeah. Well, Fred, when, when is it the most difficult time to to be humble or, or to live out humility? Is it with family? Is it at work? Or what part of the business world is it the most difficult or most challenging time to be humble? I had an incident happen a few years ago. Um, because of the position I'm in, I own my own company, and I know a lot of different people. I have good relationships with people. I try not to put myself in a position with people of controversy. But we had a customer uh, that was... Uh, swearing at our employees, which was very unusual because we usually deal with a pretty high-end clientele. And he was using the F word. And I said to my brother, go get rid of that guy as a client if he does it again. And my brother called him up and warned him and he did it again. And I said, you got to get rid of this guy. Yeah. And so my brother called him up to get rid of him. And uh, he said, he goes, I'm going to sue you unless I get all my money back that I've spent with you over the last year. So I said to my brother, how much has he spent with us? He said, well, he spent 8000 this year and he spent fifteen last year. And I said, well, Give him the eight thousand back for this year, and he called him back. He goes, the guy said he hung up on me. He said, unless I get my fifteen thousand back too, I'm going to sue you. So I said, I'll take care of it. So I call the guy up on the phone, and he hangs up on me, and he starts threatening me via text message. And this guy was completely disrespecting me. And I started praying about it, and I just the message came to me is just give this guy the money and be done with him. Hmm. And I remember going to my controller who works for me at the time. She's a strong believer, and she goes, Fred, you're showing weakness. And I thought to myself, you know what? I, I don't care. I'd rather pay the money and be done with this kind of a client and not have to get into a lawsuit and fight about it and you know just be done yeah. with it. And I remember doing the right thing as hard as it was at the time because I felt like the guy's disrespecting me and I was giving in to him. A week later, I get a check from my health insurance company for $32,000. <laughs> they told me I overpaid the year before and they're sending me a refund. Wow. And I thought, that's just like the Lord. He always gives it back. And so it was a hard thing to do. If I wasn't far along in my faith, I might not have done that, but I was. And I just decided, you know what? It wasn't worth it to me. And so, you know, that's an example. When you talk about being put to the test, it wasn't about being right or wrong. It was about pursuing peace. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I think sometimes one can feel like being a Christian is going to hold you back in any category. Like a Christian UFC fighter isn't going to have the same grit and tenacity because they're not out to ruin people's lives. Or a Christian business person, maybe they're going to get their emotions in it too much and not be able to make the right calls or things like that. I think of Israel and the Sabbath. Hey, you guys are going to rest for a day, but all your enemies are going to work seven days and try to get the jump on you as a nation, you know? Is there ever this tension with, like, I really need faith? faith if I'm going to honor God in the business world? Does it take faith to not feel like you're laid down sometimes? I don't think so. I think there's two things. There's one is Savior, and there's another one is Lord. And we can call ourselves Christians, and we still have a choice once we accept Christ as a believer, whether we're going to follow him or not in certain situations. And each one of us has to make that decision on a daily basis. And do we do it as we're honoring the Lord or not? And so we're put to the test on a daily basis of what kind of decisions we're going to make. And do we honor the one that we follow? When Jesus gave the best example the night before he was crucified, when he said, oh, master is greater than a servant, and he got down and he washed the disciples' feet. He -hmm. led by example. And so we have that decision to make every day when people aren't watching us and they're watching us is, do we want to follow him or not? Yeah. If we do, we'll be blessed by him. Two things. One is you're pushing into probably one of my favorite topics, not that it's today's topic, but I don't think you can really separate Jesus's Lord and Savior. And I think sometimes it's almost like we preach Jesus as just a nice guy who died for us, just a Savior. And he is fully that, right? But he's also our Lord. So I just love that you said that. And then with the picture of Jesus serving, I've heard that I've heard that the best and most successful companies, they figured out how to serve the client and add value to someone's life. And do you think that a more like we're I'm here to serve people, not make it or succeed, but I actually want to serve and bless people with what I do has contributed to a lot of your success? I'm not sure if there's a formula that A plus B equals C. That's where God's grace and mercy comes along. But I will tell you this, is that you just try to make the best decisions you can on a regular basis, and you open your hand. You don't close it so tight. And what I mean by that is, is that the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, and he can give it back. So we don't know what's going to happen. Like the parable of the talents. He gave the one person one talent, the one a few more, and the one, I think, five talents. And, and the one person that had the one talent buried it. You know, to save it, and the one that had the four and the five, they doubled it, and he took the one from the one, he gave it to the one that had the five. And so all we can do is do the best we can with the talents that he gives us on a regular basis. Yeah, it's good. So, Fred, in Second Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, it talks about this generational discipleship, right? Like four generations of discipleship. If you're on the top end or the bottom end, you might only be reaching one direction. But in the middle... You have to be reaching both directions, right? So that means you're a student, but you're also a quote-unquote master. I mean, none of us ever master it, but you're looked at as if you're the discipler, people are looking up to you and asking you for wisdom, right? If you're the disciplee, you're the one looking for that wisdom. So for you, at this stage of your life, are you the master now? Or are you still a student at times? Do you bounce back and forth? Essentially, have you arrived? Yeah, I think I was mentioning this to you earlier, Scott, is that I feel like a message the Lord gave me a few months ago is, uh, are you teachable, Fred? Are you teachable? And I've been leading a Bible study, and a lot of times when you're leading a Bible study, you think you're always the person that has the answers. And I remember him putting on my heart, look, I want you to, to be the student now and not be teaching anymore, but just be the student. Yeah. 
And one of the things, the Pharisees and the Bible, they became know-it-alls. And they forgot, and they didn't realize they were sinners. And the definition of a believer is we're sinners saved by grace. We, we never arrived. We don't read the Bible for information. We read it for transformation. Hmm. We read the Bible to know Christ more and to have our lives changed through knowing him. And so it's a constant reminder and a battle that when you look at the story of the two people that walk in the temple, the one person stands in the back and says, Lord, have mercy. And the other person up front says, thank God I'm not a sinner like him. The, the, the point is that we're sinners and we're going to continue to be sinners and that God works through everybody. We can never put God in a box. He spoke through Moses in a burning bush. He spoke through a jackass in the Old Testament. He took the, the, lady, the woman at the well and he evangelized the whole town through one person. And so he's going to speak through us. You know, yeah. That's one way God gets through to us. So we always have to be listening and be teachable, I think, to hear what the Lord has to say. It's good. It's good. So j- just to wrap up, Fred, one of the things that, that, that we love to do on our podcast is to give people maybe some action steps or these are some of the things that you've done or maybe you've heard of other people doing to become more teachable. How, how, what, what are some steps that we could take to apply this idea of teachability to our lives so that we can press on to become that better version of ourselves? What, what are just some practical steps that either you've taken or, or you would suggest for us to take so that we can do that, so we can become more teachable and not just become the master? One of my goals is to be the best version of myself in Christ. And in doing that, I come up with goals every year. My number one goal is to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength, and my love my neighbor as myself, because that's what his command is yeah right yeah and how, how do we love him he says if you love me you'll obey me john 14 21 who hears my commands and obeys me is the one that loves me right yeah and he who loves me will be love of myself and i will manifest myself to him god says well, how does he manifest he reveals himself to us one of the ways he does that is through answered prayers so i think as we strive to set goals for ourselves, and one of mine is to be the best version of myself in christ i, I want to learn how to love him more and love others more and in order to do we have to continue to be teachable and allow him, you know, to speak to us about what does it mean, you know, to love others. And I think we do that in a number of different ways. It's really a hard issue, you know what I mean? So how easy is that to do, though, right? Those are things that I, I believe that I've learned along the way, or hurt, I should better say it, hurt along the way, right? To love God and love others really well. But in the midst of it, sometimes it's really difficult, and I'm super uncomfortable, right, when it gets difficult, like when... The heat's raised up in the room. We get uncomfortable. Yeah. Is that a place where we should start to get comfortable being? Like be comfortable with being uncomfortable? Or should we avoid some of those difficult things like learning how to love somebody who rubs you the wrong way? Can you speak on that at all? Well, there's two things that motivate me. Fear of loss and love of gain. And so based on those two mm. things, it, that drives my obedience to the Lord. Is Number one, I don't want to fear the blessings that the Lord has given me, the fear of loss for not being obedient. Mm-hmm. And the love of gain is that I know if I do honor the Lord, he's going to honor me in return. So those two things are what motivate me. So when it comes down to forgiving somebody or tithing or different things he calls us to do, it's easy to say yes or no based on what we're motivated by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if we have the right motivations in place, that'll help make our decisions easier on a daily basis of how we live our lives. That's good. So on, on a teachability, being more teachable, what is it? what are some things that you've had to sacrifice along the way in order to learn or to grow? I think one of the things is um, 
you would want to ask the people closest to you, are you teachable? Mm. <laughs> if you're married, is it your wife or your ex-wife if you're divorced or maybe somebody you used to work for? And they'll be real honest with you. And they'll tell you, no, you're not teachable in this area. Or you are teachable. And you have to be open to listening to what yeah. they have to say. And we have blind spots. And it's one of the reasons Jesus spoke in parables was to get through to people. He spoke in pictures. So I think that if we're allowing the Lord to speak into us, he'll do that through the people around us. That's good. So the other other one that I always think about is, in order to be teachable, at least for me, I I feel like I've had to do a lot of self-reflection. So if somebody speaks a word into your life and they're speaking a word of truth into your life and it it stings a little bit, it's a little uncomfortable, I have to either, when when I self-reflect, if I choose to do that, I have to look in the mirror and say, yes, that's true, or they don't know what they're talking about. Can you talk about that at all in your life or maybe a time that you've experienced that where somebody has said a hard truth to you in your life and you had to really self-reflect and be like, you know what, they're right. Hmm. I, I think one of the things is if, if we realize who we are in Christ and that we're the king's kids and that we've received this inheritance because he died on the cross for us and he gives us all these promises that we're secure in ourselves, and then we're able to take advice or criticism from other people because it's the Lord trying to transform us. Our self-esteem and our worth and our security is not coming from what people around us say to us or how they view us. It's coming from who we are in Christ. Then I think we'll be able to take feedback better and, and not be worried about what people think. That's good. Yeah, I've, I even think of, we have a funny thing. We've mentioned on the show before, I do a lot of youth ministry. And so we'll do high school services or middle school services and kids will get behind the tech booth and their hands are on like over $100,000 in equipment they're operating. <laughs> and when I was young, my personality was like, if you'd put me behind there and then you came and you started giving me pointers, I was like in, instantly embarrassed. Like, oh no, something must, like I need to prove myself that I'm failing the fact that someone would be here like coaching me. And n- it's now being in a position where you oversee that kind of thing. The kids who act like that, they feel so unteachable. Like, And you start to, and you actually, you see it when you're on the other side of the equation that there's, it's insecurity, right? Like that person is so out to prove themselves that they can't even like hear or grow. And then you get a kid who's really willing to just listen and take advice, and that's always the person you promote. And it doesn't even mean that sometimes that kid is not only teachable, but a lot of times they're also better than their peers, but they're still teachable because they're just at peace with who they are and where they're at learning this process, and there's a self-confidence here. And I think it takes a lot of self-confidence to be teachable in a healthy way and to still achieve at the same time. And so, Fred, really impressed with you and grateful just for your example and the things you're saying in this podcast and definitely gleaning a lot from it. You know, one, one of the things that's always encouraged me about you, Fred, is I don't know how many years younger I am than you, but being when, whenever I'm younger, I'm 48 years old, right? So if I have a guy who's older than me, even if it's just five years, and they're you're successful you have a great marriage you're you have two great kids and one of the things i have to be honest with you i was a little uncomfortable last time we went out to lunch and the reason is because you kept asking me questions and you were trying to dig to find out more information and when we talked about this being our topic you actually lived it out that day to the point where i, I was trying to ask you more questions about you 
because I didn't feel that I deserved to be able to speak in to some of the things that you were asking about, right? And so it, it, it was a great learning experience for me. You know, I oversee guys like Jordy. Some of the people in, in my area of ministry are almost 20 years younger than me. And it was a great example to me on how we can continue always be trying to learn and be teachable no matter who it is in front of you that is sharing their experiences with you. And you did that incredibly well. And it was something that was, I'll never forget that lunch because of that. And I walked out of there saying, I want to learn from him next time. So we have to do lunch again, and you have to promise that you'll let Sounds me ask good. you all kinds of questions. <laughs> but if you want to get in touch with Fred, we'll have in our show notes his website from Smart Business Network Online. And not only the history about his company, but how you can actually get in touch with Fred, reach out to him. But also, if you're local, if you are in Cleveland, Ohio, or anywhere in Northeast Ohio, every Friday morning in Westlake, you guys get together, you have a Bible study, not only local businessmen, just guys, right? They don't have to own a business to be part no, of your Bible study. Exactly. We have a men's fellowship group, 730 to 830on Friday mornings at the Center in Westlake. And the theme has become John 10, 10. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But mm. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And we talk about how we can have the abundant life. And there's a number of us to get together. And we use the Bible as, a, as the, we pick a topic every week. And then people do, share different testimonies. And we learn from each other. It's really great. I've been there a couple times. And the environment that you've created there is a humble environment. Nobody's there touting their business or trying to be you know one-up each other. They're, they're really a great group of guys just truly wanting to grow and be, do exactly what we're doing here, trying to become better versions of, of ourselves, pressing on to do that, to become more like Jesus in, in everything that we do. And a big part of that, like we learned today, is being more teachable, being humble. You can't be teachable without being humble and self-reflective. So, Fred, thank you very much for, for joining us thank today. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, guys, next month, in the month of February, we're going to be uh, talking with one of my good friends who's in prison ministry, Mike Swiger, and he'll be giving us some great wisdom just on life, but also sharing a lot what he does in his ministry. As you know, this is one of my new things, right? Prison ministry. Prison ministry. And so we'll be launching our prison campus in March officially so we thought it'd be good to bring um, i can't wait i hope i never have to go i want you to but go I'm, I'm saying i hope i don't go to jail but <laughs> i'm excited for you and what you're doing i want you to come with me on a monday because that's when we'll be doing our services out there yeah as long our, as i can leave you can it's really exciting uh, i've been out there a lot the last couple weeks building key relationships but like i said we're gonna be launching our services but i'm gonna be discipling a group of guys out there eight guys and i'm really pumped about doing that so we'll be starting that here in a couple weeks but next month february we have mike swagger join us then see you next time see you next time thanks guys